It is Friday night. It's 11 o'clock, and that means that I just probably won $1.2 billion. I can afford 144th of Twitter, and yet I'm not celebrating. I'm not dancing the streets. I'm here with my buddies who make comics and crowdfund because that is how professional I am. Um, next week, I, I'm going to be here. I might be wearing a golden suit with a platinum uh, top hat. <laughs> But I'm going to be here anyway, and uh, I appreciate everybody who is here with us. We've got Jeff Ryder, J.D. Oliva. We've got Ray Chow in the, in the back of the studio coming in, coming in hot. Ray, how are you, buddy? What's up? Good to see you all. Great to see you. He's a bound, man. Hey, any, any way we get you, we get you um, right, left, any way we get you, we're happy to have you. And pretty soon we're going to have Charlie Stickney uh, coming to join us as well. Um, uh, JD has been on before, but this is most people's first time with us. So what we usually do is a little 30 second elevator pitch. I know, Ray, you were just at San Diego Comic Con, so you probably did this 4000 times. But uh, we're going to we're going to start with Jeff. If somebody was passing you at a comic convention, and you wanted to introduce your comic. Uh, what would your uh, quick pitch to get their attention be? So I know the wind was I knew the wind was cold is a we're calling it a country west. Okay, so this celebration is, Man, I oh. think I did win because you froze. I think everybody is celebrating. Everybody froze. Auto win. Um, so again, I saw little circles. Yeah. Um, so you're calling it a country and then we lost you. It's a, it's, we're calling it a country western horror collection. It's a collection of uh, four horror shorts that all have a little bit of a redneck or country twist. Some of them are based on country songs. Some of them are based on creepy old poems, uh, weird old Burl Ives movies, things like that. Uh, but it's all sort of that, uh, you know, Willie and Waylon, Johnny Cash kind of down and dirty country music uh, meets horror, twisted, uh, gross, scary stuff. Awesome. Can't wait to get into what those actual inspirations so are. So, Ray, you probably did this a couple thousand times last weekend. Uh, how would you get somebody's, uh, except for showing the art in Skies of Fire, how would you get somebody's attention about Skies of Fire? Yeah. So what's up, everybody? My name is Ray Chow, and I have a Kickstarter for Skies of Fire, which was also at San Diego Comic-Con. And Skies of Fire is a diesel punk airship adventure. It follows an ambitious captain as she assembles a crew, hunts down pirates, terrorizing her kingdom. It's about ambition, loyalty, revenge. How far would you go in search of a single goal? What would it take? What would it cost you? Uh, yeah, million times. <laughs> million, yeah. Well, very well rehearsed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so so Shawnee got to meet Ray at San Diego Comic-Con. So that is awesome. So we're going to have to... Uh, get some stories, Shawnee, uh, about uh, about the meetup in the comments. JD, um, I know this is this is your second time on talking about a novel, not a comic, but this one was a comic. So, uh, how would you get somebody's attention about Red Sunrise? Well, first of all, I'd say don't walk away. It's not a comic. Give me a second. <laughs> um, Samurais versus vampires. That's how um, I would sell it to them. Quick short story. You know, to you know, 150 pages in and out. A lot of action, a lot of fun. Give it a shot. That's what I'd say to him. And then I try to break it down a little bit more. So try to grab him on the high concept. Well, and you're a wrestler too. So if they try to go too quick, you can keep them there. I will double leg them when they're not looking. <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's um, before we get into this, we have somebody else here who has a campaign going for about 40 
54, 54 more minutes. I'm not so good at math. Uh, Will Allred, what is crossover division and why should they go right now? Uh, well, you have about, hang on a second, I'll tell you exactly how much longer you have. You have 46 minutes left. Uh, crossover division is... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm my iPad to go do it right now. When stories come to life and threaten to fracture reality beyond repair, only an English professor and a research librarian have the knowledge and smarts to save us all from an unhappy ending. So, and it's got yeah, some oh, really cool covers. Yeah, <laughs> Will has already done his big deep dive, so we're not going to go to the page so much. We're going to go right at the end to celebrate it closing. But if you're watching now, this is time is of the essence. You've got to back now or, or you got to wait till crossover Division 5 to uh, help Will out. Two other campaigns that are closing tonight that I do want to um, share. They're not on Kickstarter. They're over on Crowdfunder. They're both within about $100 to $300 of their goals. Um, so I'm going to share the screen. of the, the book Ryan K. Lindsay is involved with uh, Backstory. It's over on Crowdfunder. It's exactly how you would spell it if there was no such thing as an E. Um, look. Oh wait, no. You know what? Explain yourself, bump. We just got them. We just got them funded. They're nice. Two thousand. You know what? They were they were seventy under when we we started this, and now they're over. So I'm taking credit for backstory uh, being being uh, head up. So all right, but I would go to it because Ryan K. Lindsay has anything to do with it. So I would um, back that. And the reason that I'm so into um, getting these uh, a little bit said about these crowdfunder campaigns is it's a new, it's a new farm for crowdfunding. And uh, I want to keep Kickstarter as healthy and strong as it can be, but I also want to fertilize some other farms like Zoop and crowdfunder. So in case the wrong person buys or starts to run Kickstarter, we have a safe place to go. Um, the other one that I wanted to do, we had Leslie Julian on uh, about two weeks back about head cases, uh, also on Crowdfunder. And let's see if that one has gotten funded since I've looked at it 30 minutes ago. And there you are. Sorry. So head cases disappeared on my screen, so I don't know where it is. Um, they, they made it. They're at 3,300. All right. Nice. So, um, Kickstarter. Oh, wait, no, they're at 3.6. Their goal is 2.6, yeah. Oh, they're at 3,600 is the goal. Okay, so yeah, they do need just under $300. Um, this is a comedy about some people who accidentally end up with a duffel bag, um, an assassin's duffel bag, and the head of his last job. And it just sounds really fun and enjoy enjoyable and a great adventure. So I just wanted to talk about these campaigns that are going to close really quickly. And now uh, let's talk about some of the books that are here. JD, why don't we talk about the novel and um what its genesis was how did red sunrise uh first come into the world i i first conceived it way back when i was in college i was a uh, double major did film media on one side and i was a history major on the other and i emphasized in asian history and um, i was sitting in japanese history class and we were talking about the tokugawa shawanate tokugawa shogunate and uh i said that'd be really cool if the shogun was a vampire there's just this note that i made in my notebook because i'm like 20 and daydreaming in class and that idea just stuck with me forever 
and I just would jot down notes and I never really did anything with it. And then um, about 2016, I decided to really kind of jump in and try to try to do the Kickstarter comic thing. And um, I was workshopping some ideas with some friends and that one got some attention. People were like, hey, this one sounds really cool. So I did it. That's how I met a bunch of you guys, man. I was working with Tyler James and doing that whole thing. And I crowdfunded the first issue of Red Sunrise way back in 2017, fulfilled that campaign and uh, had a falling out with the artists. So it never really got finished. It never got mm. I, I tried to bring on another guy to finish the art. It was all right. It was good, but it just didn't work. Like it was just far too different. So I was like, this isn't, this just isn't working. So I kind of put the idea away again. And then I kind of remade myself as a, as a fiction writer. And that's kind of where I've had a lot more of my success recently. And um, I ran a successful Kickstarter back in the spring and, you know, talking to Russell Nolte, he's like, Hey man, you got to do these more frequently. You need to put stuff out. So I had this story. I'm like, you know what? It's time to finish it. And uh, it's not very long. It's only, a, it's a novella. It's 150 pages and it's a lot of fun, man. It's, it's uh, an idea I've been kicking around since college. It's the idea of a, of a, you know, Ronin samurai hired to, you know, kill the Shogun basically. And it's, it's a bonkers, really fun story that um I really love telling. And I really like, you know, digging into real history and, and trying to play with as much reality while at the same time, you know, making it super fun fiction. So, you know, it's a, it's a fun little book and, you know, we're doing, we're doing well, like fiction Kickstarters don't do tradition, typically nearly the money that comic Kickstarters do. And mm. right now I'm pacing it's the most I'm pacing to have my most backers, but because it's a novel, I'm only asking a couple bucks for it. So the the total funding is not what my last project was, which is a three volume, a thousand uh, page opus. And this is just, you know, a quick down and dirty little story and it's doing really well and I'm really happy with it. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, um, if you can uh, share the page with us to oh, show us the, the page and I'm going to ask uh, Jeff and Ray, have you guys ever had a, um, a situation for whatever reason, an artist couldn't uh, continue on one of the books you've been working up and how did you handle it if it happened? I'll jump in there. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one of my ongoing uh, series, a book called Major Holmes and Captain Watson, originally began as a, as a webcomic uh, with an artist um, named Carlos Caballero, who lives here in Florida, where I live uh, now, though I didn't live there at the time. He had some uh, personal and health-related issues, so it wasn't necessarily a falling out so much, but he couldn't continue working on the book. Um, so it kind of went on hiatus for a little while, and I gathered up what we had done as a webcomic and printed it and made a handful of copies and sort of shopped them around to other artists that I was meeting at shows um, until I met the agent of an artist named Ishmael Canales, uh, who lives in Spain. And he connected me to Ishmael, and Ishmael and I connected uh, via the internet. And Ishmael sort of picked up the book. So we completely redrew issue one, and we put out all four issues of the story since then. So cool. It had yeah. a happy ending in the end. And the fun part about it is Ishmael took all of Carlos's original work and a lot of Carlos's character design work is, is still in major homes. So he's, he's still credited in every issue as our, as our character designer for the work that he did in the beginning. It was just unfortunate that he couldn't keep going. So yeah, no. we love Carlos. He's great. So JD, why, um, was it just not wanting to try a third artist or you just really feel like novelizing is, is your bread and butter now? I think that was more of that because when I right after I had finished the first campaign is when I kind of dipped my because I was waiting to get this thing done right so um, I just kind of dipped my toe into prose writing and I, I'm just better at it quite frankly <laughs> like it just okay. it works it works better for me and I just hadn't like I said I had the art finished and just the idea of bringing in another guy and 
not having the funds to do it because mm -hmm. it's quite frankly it's a lot cheaper for me to write a book and you know i have an editor that i work with and it just cost effectively it, it just it's I don't know if easier is the right word, but it just works better for me. Right. And then when we're doing these Kickstarters, like, you know, it's, it's, I can make profit and put it back into, you know, advertising campaigns for the books and, you know, going to pay the, uh, the editor further. And it just, it's just easy. Like it just financially makes more sense for me to stay kind of in the fiction route. I'm probably, I'm, I did some stuff with Russell Nolte and his, um, one of his Cthulhu campaigns. So that was fun. So I'm, I'm going to dip into comics still, but my focus primarily is, is writing books right now. And I noticed as you went through the page that um, somebody could pick up like your werewolf books mm -hmm. and any, any of your other novels are either, do you have tiers for those or are those add-ons? No, absolutely, man. They're, they're all have tiers. Like um, you can, you can get the original comic book for a dollar because I have that, the PDF for it I should say. And then, you know, we love every time we level up every uh, pledge tier up, you can get more stuff. Like, you could pick a novel, uh, pick a paperback, you know, and then you can buy the entire thing. I offer a nice little be a victim package at the very end where, you know, you can become a victim of the book. And then on top of that, having, you know, name and likeness written into the story, you're going to get the whole catalog in both PDF and, or excuse me, in both paperback and in the uh, digital versions. So, okay. you know, it's pretty fun little, uh, it's worked out pretty good for me in the past, actually. It's, it's a nice, easy thing to do in a prose book. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's worth it too, because you get a lot of, you get a lot of stuff for the, uh, for the exchange. So I know that you really finished what would have been the comic book limited series. Is there, uh, is there any chance that you could return to this world or is this your one and done story in the red sunrise uh, world? The the world is like strangely tangentially connected to the rest of the stuff I do. I like to kind of play in the same universe. This clearly takes place hundreds of years earlier. It would be difficult, but not impossible to do mm -hmm. another story. I don't have one in mind. I guess we'll see how this one goes. I book it. I think I bookend it pretty nicely, but at the same time, I guess there's um there's always room to do something else. For right now, it's uh it's kind of a done in one for me. Like I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have ideas to go back to the spot. Cause again, all the other stuff I read, like the books of Jericho, I'm writing book nine for that right now with Wolfstone saga. I'm on book four for that. So the rest of the stuff I do is like sprawling. And this is mm -hmm. just, like I said, down and dirty, really simple little nitty gritty horror story. So, and I, so I kind of like that. Yeah. And it's a great way for an audience to, check you out if they for like sure. it and then they can jump into the wider ocean that's cool sure. it's like a it's like a little teaser because if, if you like this you're probably going to like the other stuff i'm writing you you mentioned russell he i know pixie dust is i think like five thousand years in the past of a couple of his comics i don't mm -hmm. know katrina hates the dead or i can't remember exactly which one but i know that his fairy tale one is you know like four thousand years ago and and his his stuff is all encompassing too like he's yeah. got he's got all he's man he's prolific all of his stuff kind of takes place in the same spot so i mean it's uh he's he's a guy i, I consider like a mentor and a friend and a guy i really admire and have tried to you know i've tried to learn from him as often as possible because i think as far as like he's really kind of become like the guy in the fiction kickstarter space mm -hmm. and he was really kind of a pioneer pushing the idea of hey let's do these fiction kickstarters it's working really well in comics and slowly people started like oh this is a good idea i can get on board i mean i got yelled at two years ago by some people in some facebook groups i was at for trying to do a fiction kickstarter and then brandon sanderson came along and now everything's totally cool however now, now people are willing to jump in because they saw what that guy can do so so if you make 43 million dollars it makes it seem more palatable then it's acceptable for people for the rest <laughs> okay. of the community to go oh this is a decent platform maybe i should try it 
which is great because now there's way more people willing to buy. Like not only as far as there's way more people willing to participate and there's way more people willing to buy books specifically here, like comics. This has been the lifeblood of independent comics for over a decade for prose novels and stuff like that. It's still pretty new. So the more, the more people we can get involved doing this stuff, the more it kind of legitimizes the platform, the more it kind of is another outlet for, for creators to make more money. It's great. And it's kind of fun to not be on the forefront, but just to kind of be hanging out with people that are on the forefront and learning from them. Right. Well, I know Ray, you guys have done RPGs. Uh, what is it? What is it like both JD and Ray? I'd love you guys to talk about going from comics that we all are more, um, you know, we know we live in this space. Um, what is it like to run these campaigns that are ancillary to comics? It's obviously there's going to be some things that are same, but there's going to be a lot of things that are different. So uh, yeah. like what, what is the RPG pace, uh, space? So what I learned at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, I have one copy of The Wild Sea. So this is the RPG that I'm going to Gen Con with um, next week. And I had like my advanced copies. So I was trying to push uh, pre, pre-order sales, right? So sell the book plus shipping to them. And when my boats land, I'm going to ship them. This is at Comic-Con. So I definitely learned that there is a crossover in terms of like the audience for at least at San Diego Comic-Con. But I think it'll apply elsewhere too. Um, so... That for sure. And then for me, it was a lot of learning the community of RPG. Because, like, I kind of I felt like I had a lot to prove because I was, like, new to the space and, like, I wanted to, to meet people. And I, I kind of engaged in um, the RPG community in a way that, like, um, I never did, to be honest, with the comic stuff. Because with the comic stuff, I, it was just sort of, like, just diving headfirst into it. But mm-hmm. that, and, you know, just doing Kickstarters and being like, okay, like, well, where do we go from here? And like comic shows and stuff like that but with rpgs i feel like i took a much more like i guess like nuanced approach or like got to know like who was working in the space and try to understand rpgs a lot really too because that that's what like fascinated me like i wanted to actually know how to build one and those things are really hard to build if you get if they really get into the weeds of like your mm-hmm. mind if you think about it too long because it's like how do you how do you contain an entire world <clears throat> but there was a lot of like nerds and you know, just people who are really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the happenstance, the connection that led me to publish this book, because I, I don't make this, is that I play tested this um, after just checking out a bunch of people's games, and I really liked the game. And the uh, designer messaged me afterwards and was like, "Hey, are you the writer of Glow? Because I love that comic, and that was actually one of the inspirations for my game." And I was like, "Oh, oh cool." Shoot way so that that felt like very serendipitous um right. i don't know if that answers your question but that well you like, and you of course you of course sued him um <laughs> yeah you know, I, I i suited him too because his so here's the thing he, his um a lot of people are making games right and everybody's trying to get their games play tested and this guy was um on reddit trying to get play testers and like most people when they ask for for play tests they get like you know, three or four responses if they're lucky, right? This mm-hmm. guy had 28 in like one day, 28 people saying, I want to play test your game. Playing an RPG is a minimum three hour commitment of mm-hmm. your life, right? To do, it's it's a lot, it's it, it, it's a it's a huge investment. And then to look at the rules um, and, and it, it's because he was doing a lot of the same stuff that we do in comics, like us, like kind of writer folk, right? Which is like, we're envisioning the world and we're sort mm-hmm. of like art directing it. Um, and putting together the pieces, which, which you're really good at, you know, uh, I mean, Tart looks amazing. And so 
he he was <clears throat> he was doing that and he had great art to go with his game you know and that that was very comic-esque i think like in terms of like the visuals and and diving into the world through through seeing it yeah it's, it's a space that i i you know every time i've sat and played played one it's been like 30 minutes of kind of like my eyes rolling back and then we get into it and yeah all right all right now it's uh, now i got it now i got it and it, it becomes fun but it is i can imagine hey everybody it's as hard as it is to say hey could you read my comic that will probably be 20 minutes of your life you know hopefully 40 if you read it again but um an rpg is a, is a bigger uh, a bigger cost um but um, I have I have some news. That guy, Charlie, you hey are guys. here. Hey, everyone. Yeah, I, I'm here. And, and, and I'm sorry I'm late. So if everyone could just start from the beginning again yeah, and just sorry. give your pitches yeah. and take it from the top, that would be great. Okay, guys, uh, it I, is I think I was, Friday night. It's 11 just... o'clock. Explain <laughs> yourself. Now, even though I just won $1.2 billion in the Mega Millions, I'm still here because I love comics, I love crowdfunding, and I am a professional. All right, that is somebody a else yes got to take and. over because I don't remember. That is uh, fantastic to go. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, Ray, because I, I was coming in hearing some of that. It's it's good to learn a little bit about the uh, the game space because I think we all aspire to build multimedia empires like Skies of Fire. Um, so, you know, you know, something for Kevin to buy with his $1 billion. Yes. <laughs> Give me all the money. Miniatures. We got to get into miniatures. That's what everybody. Plus, if I did win, I'm not telling anybody, but I will back higher. <laughs> so if, if 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 i go from 15 dollars to like 300 you know you know what happened <laughs> um so you know we're, we're we're on the reds the red sunrise novel and basically you had said that the space with the other the other writers was kind of hostile to kickstarter at the beginning but did you find readers were open to the crowdfunding experiment with novels fortunately um my newsletter was basically a lot of people that i met when i or that i got in contact with when i was doing comics so there are mm -hmm. a lot more people that were receptive to it and over the last two years that has been a change like my back account has gone up with every project it's not comics like there's not as many people for the most part unless you're like i said unless you're brandon sanderson there's not the big pool with um people willing to back independent fiction through kickstarter but it's growing it's growing mm -hmm. exponentially over the last year so yeah there were more people that were willing and like it's not it's just not the way it's done not even traditionally because traditionally publishing you think you know get an agent mm -hmm. those kind of things but like the amazon route because like what the way like you know come because i jump right from learning how to do comic kickstarters and okay this is how you're going to make it on amazon and i was that for a year i'm like this is a nightmare like i can't i don't like doing it this way this is like this is not fun it doesn't work for my creative process um so coming back and taking the knowledge that i learned back when we all got together like with comics launch and now russell's doing his own thing mm -hmm. with um <clears throat> with with teaching it with to uh to fiction writers it's making more sense. It's finding a way it's making it work a lot better now. Like I guess just in the last couple of years, that's changed. And, you know, readers don't care. You know, like it's like with comics, you've always got people that oh, I read Marvel and read DC. Like nobody says, well, I only read books from Penguin Random House. You know, that, <laughs> that person doesn't exist. So right, it's, right. In a way, it's it's easier to kind of sell people like, hey, I got this cool idea, you know, vampires, samurais, you know, they kind of mm -hmm. they can bite on a high concept a little bit easier. But like it's coming around. It's it's growing. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's um, check. Well, Ray, Ray, why don't we get into Skies of Fire? Um, you're doing okay so far. Um, 
<laughs> Skies of Fire, I came across, um, I think, um, either your first or second campaign. I think it was your first campaign. And um, the, the, the story is awesome. I never want to downplay the story of Skies of Fire. I, but I just have to say that the art on your book is as epic and gorgeous and amazing as any single comic I have seen in the last decade. My, not Marvel hasn't done better. DC hasn't done better. Skies of Fire art, artwork is extraordinary when you're over your books are always oversized it was the choice to go oversized when you started working with this artist or was that always uh your goal you know what it was it was a stretch goal <laughs> it was a stretch goal from our first campaign when we were like oh we hit our goal uh what do we do we gotta add stretch goals and uh it literally was like well one of the things that these comic printers are saying is we can make it bigger. So do you want to make it bigger? And then we announced it and uh, we, we regretted it right away, actually. <laughs> we're like, well, no, that won't fit in, in our, in our long boxes. Everything is standardized for a reason. Don't you see? Like, why would you do that? And so we were freaking out, actually. We were like, whoa, did we just make a huge mistake? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm really glad we did because I think it's one of the things that that made us stand out over the years of just like mm -hmm. kind of being a different format and being like, hey, well, screw it. Um, let's, we already said that we were going to do it. We might as well like follow through on what we said. Um, yeah, once, you, yeah, once you did issue one that way, you you have to, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, and it was, you, you know, the other thing too is because... Um, I was gonna print uh, with Print Ninja my first time around, and they were a great—they—they are a great company. I mean, they're—they're—they reached out and they're like, "Hey, print with us." These rates were so much cheaper than any. It was like three times cheaper back then, like in 2014, of any other printer that was working in comics, right? Like you had a couple of like major printers, but they were gouging the crap out of the category, and Print Ninja was was undercutting them by a lot, by a lot, lot. Um, and so we were all set to go with them. But then they, uh, we didn't account for, for Golden Week, like the check holiday. And that like threw our timeline by like two, like three or four weeks, which is enough to, to, to ruin us basically. And um, we needed to make New York Comic Con where I met you um, yeah. that first year. And we, um, so in order to get the comics printed, I, I started talking to, I started just like looking up various printers, right? And like just, talking to printers and all over. And the reason why I settled on 8x11 was because that was an easy size to configure for printers, basically. Like, that it was just, like, it was nice and whole and they could, like, cut it. Like, you didn't have to ask them to, like, print, like, the weird, like, 8 point, whatever, the 7.25 mm -hmm. or whatever, like, US standard comic format was. Um, so it was just a lot of, like, practical, you know, like, just decisions that kind of ended up getting us to that format. I think I was on the same like schedule with you. I had to kickstart. I had to pay for the first tart books before the Kickstarter was um, launched. Yeah. Uh, so there was there was a point where we were in stretch goals and people were saying, "Hey, you should put the backers' names in it." And I was like, "That's not going to happen." <laughs> I can't tell you why until the campaign is over because you know I had to put this on a credit card and I'm hoping to get some of the money back um, with this Kickstarter, but. Um, with that that holiday hit us too and we had to expedite you know i think like 200 copies to new york comic con oh, yeah. so that Perfect. i wasn't sitting in the booth like yeah. hey everybody i'm kevin i'm gonna have a comic someday <laughs> yeah so, I have, yes 
out for Gen Con for Wild Sea because mm -hmm. of you know supply chain stuff. And oh man, it's it's expensive. It's very very expensive. Yeah, definitely. So this campaign, if you if um, if you could share your screen, we'll we'll get it up so people can see the art that that I uh, was was talking about. But this campaign is for the second. Is it a hardcover uh, collection of your second art? Um, so yeah, it, it's it's going to be a reprint of the first collection as well. Um, okay. So this is the collective volume of Skies of Fire. It is all eight uh, issues of that we originally set out to make, and basically it comprises of the original story. Like we, you know, we started in 2014. Um, mm -hmm. We it was a screenplay at first, as often is the case. Um, we were like, well, we wrote a screenplay and super expensive and nobody's ever gonna like want it because you know why would they want it so what do we do with it um and i had the brilliant idea of Vince. i was like vince we're gonna turn it into a comic and we turn it into a comic and like you know we we sort of were like young and naive and i think that's why like the quality like really is like uncompromising because we were just like we're gonna make the best thing ever and like it doesn't matter what it takes we're just gonna do it <laughs> And like the the truth is, it ended up costing a lot of time. That was the that was the trade off, right? So, mm -hmm. um, we you know we we were publishing like one issue a year. We have been for the last like eight years, and that was the original scope. Like I think we discussed doing it four issues, but like very early on, by like in between issue one and two, we were like, okay, if we were to stick with the screenplay, it's going to take us eight issues to to get to the end, basically. At mm -hmm. the we're currently going. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big deal because it represents like us like finally completing a story, right? Like that's honestly that's what it is, like finally finishing one. Um and I've been just doing it piecemeal for, for eight years. So it's like it feels it feels really cool to have it and um in like a collected trade form. And um if we we wanted to do it all at once, right? Um but that just seemed really, really impossible. There were a couple of Kickstarters I was looking at at the time. I, I forgot the names. And I, I, I wanted to tell you this, Kevin. I looked at yours, too, because I, I think you guys were way before us. And, like, I was I was looking at, at your campaign. Um, but there was there was a couple of attempts at doing, like, big 120-page graphic novels um, with that, like, as a production Kickstarter, right? And there was, like, one yeah. that was, like, uh, it was, like, Samurai versus Zombies was the high concept, I think. Okay um and it just that'll it, never work you gotta go you gotta go samurai yeah. versus vampires yeah <laughs> yeah the zombies isn't gonna work they, they had some sick concept art and they had like olivia wilde like the oh. greater new olivia wilde through a friend of a friend so they were allowed to do a pinup of them of hers <laughs> so they were selling that for like a thousand bucks or something like that um, but it raised like I, I forgot how much but it raised like uh 30 grand or something right to do the entire thing and they just ghosted straight up, like very quick, like I don't know, like eight months into it, they they ghosted. You know, that so was that like, was the Wild West, and all of all of us are still uh, fighting that, especially with local comic shops, because that 2013-2014, there were a bunch of grifters who came in and just just got money and and took off, and there's a bunch of comic shops that still are, you know, have that two hundred dollars that they didn't get books for and will never back another Kickstarter, which I do understand because if I was a small business owner and some thief took my money, I'd be mad too. But yeah, and it's, it's so much better now. There's so, so many fewer production uh, Kickstarters. I think mm -hmm. all of us have learned that uh, if I don't see a cup, a lot of pages of art or 
am told it's done. Uh, you know, everybody messes up supply chain. Everybody's everybody's fighting supply chain right now. But um, yeah, there were I I got taken a couple times there early as a, as a as a backer. Yeah, uh, living living you live and you learn. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna share the page and go go down so we can see some of this uh, Kickstarter because it is gorgeous. Yeah, I didn't even know that it was recollect uh, collecting the first four issues because I see Skies of Fire and I just back. I don't really look at your campaigns anymore after I think your first campaign and meeting you guys. I'm just like, yep, this this is done. Thanks, man. Yeah, the um, so we did book one back in 20, 2017, I think, and that 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 was when I was gambling. Uh, that was I, I did the same play with Tart. Like I paid for the books so I could have them for San Diego that year. Like way in oh. advance, and I was like, oh crap, I needed it. I didn't pay this soon. Like there's a lot. Can I ask how brave you were? Because I was a coward. I had to. I think our 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 bill was like sixty five hundred. And I, I made our uh, goal 3,000 because I was like, half of this is more helpful than none of all of it. <laughs> and I didn't know, I had no idea if we were going to find anybody. So I was just like $3,000 goal. And, you know, uh, or did you make your goal what you actually had to pay? I For, for that one, I did because it was our okay. graphic novel. And I wanted to make sure for, all, yeah. for the real issues, for sure. Like I was, you know, I would do like way under like what the actual yeah. was. But for for that one, I think it was uh, 30k for like the print run. So I was right. like, yeah, I gotta like make sure I get that. And uh, you know, so I, I don't think I played around too much with that one. It was pretty close to the numbers, and that was. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I uh, like did that too, and I felt like wow, my logistics skills were so so good by, back then because I managed to do it. You know, like I. I made the book, I paid for it and like got it in for San Diego Comic Con and paid for it like right around that same time. I was like, dang, I nailed it back then. I really yeah. mega failed recently in 2021 20, and 22. <laughs> the tough go things with the I ship. just, your artist, like I, this engine, the intricacy of this panel is just. It's incredible. Yeah. So the, the amazing artwork is uh, Pablo Pepino out of Argentina, now at Valencia. He actually has a. Oh, oh speaking of Kickstarter pl uh, plugs, um, <laughs> when you get a chance, please, please bring up Lamp Black. So he's actually running his second issue of his follow up series right now, um, okay. which is really cool. Like it's it's got a lot of the same really awesome art. Um, and he's publishing in a landscape format as well for, for his next title. Um, Pablo Pepino on on inks and line work and, and most concepts and then Brian Valenza on colors and Brian has like we found him on DeviantArt way back in the day and now he's like the main man at Marvel <laughs> like straight up Amazing Spider-Man and like Venom and like um, you know like I feel like he colors like 15% to 20% of his of their entire line these days like month in month out studio like the guy's incredible and has scaled his like business incredibly. Um, and then we have like, yeah, just, uh, we have a bunch of, uh, concept artists too, Alex McCourt, Joseph Vandal, like overall we have like maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 artists touch the project by the time we got to this point with, um, and that's like including maybe the variant artists as well. Um, but we do stuff like, spe uh, specs, like, uh, you know, we, we actually design a lot of the ships, um, we get them done so alex McCor is like an engineer and like you know he gets the specs like to proportion and whatnot um we've had 3d models made we do like just a bunch of art um 
somewhere back there we have a, a, a world map, not um, like a globe. We have a website with the globe of the world and all that stuff and like a wiki page with the stuff. We just like the whole thing is um, is world building, right? That was, that was sort of like what what Vince and I really wanted to do. And Vince in particular is very, very meticulous in that token-esque way about that stuff and just going as deep as he can um, with all this stuff. Um, one of the my favorite postcards that we ever did was for our first campaign. We did um, we did heraldry basically, like just a little, like just a little postcard with, with with heraldry, and that was like a little thank you stretch goal that, that I really really loved. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's skies of fire is is uh, is our baby. It's it's basically like eight years of my life, you know, now in one Kickstarter. So it feels really really great um i feel really blessed to have the support that 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 we have um and yeah i mean it, it's so great like just just seeing it kind of go and like the entire the entire goal was was to get to this point so hey mm -hmm. we're here like hopefully like now like you know on the other side of the rainbow what awaits hopefully it's it's okay you know <laughs> No, I mean it's it's you, you, I mean it's a bit of a failure. You haven't passed two thousand backers yet. You're only at nineteen hundred and fifty four. So I don't I don't want to be too rough on you for you know for for not succeeding. But I, I think you're doing okay for you know two kids who just took a screenplay and made it a comic. I think you've done okay. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a fabulous book. If you have not read this, I really, really recommend it. We got a question in the comment that I think is uh, really a nice comment for everybody. Uh, and I throw a button. So how do digital rewards fare against physical rewards? Uh, anybody want to grab this from Audible? Uh, my, I need my glass, my old man glasses. Chapoy, that's uh, Andre Chapoy. He does the, he's my audible narrator. He narrates my audio books. So thanks oh, for coming, very Andre. Cool. cool. Um, who wants to take the digital versus uh, physical on, on Kickstarter question? Well, I'll jump I mean, in. I'll, I'll say like, okay, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Charlie. You've got a lot more experience with this. Well, I'll just say that like my breakdown is usually probably two thirds to three quarters physical to a quarter digital. And um, you can't charge anywhere near as, as much for the digital. So the bulk of your funding is going to be coming from other places. So hmm. I, I like to look at digital as, you know, something that brings in a little bit of money. Hopefully these are readers that will eventually maybe get a collected edition down the way there, are, you know, cause the people we read things different ways and some people don't like to collect the single issues so they want to support, they'll pick up the digital issues, they'll grab the hardcover, or they're international backers who can't afford to spend $25, $30 with the shipping mm -hmm. because it's gotten so expensive. So it's great to have those options, but you don't want to base your um, economics of your Kickstarter on purely digital. It's very difficult. Yeah, the, the only positive, well, not the only positive, uh, getting people to read the book is always a positive. So... Uh, one of the positives of the digital backers is, yeah, you got a good chance at a double dip as long if they're just going to kind of dip their toes in at a, at a low rate and they read it, you've got a good chance to take somebody who paid, you know, $20 for your digital bundle who might then come back and pay $50 for your, your collection. And that's amazing. But um, you have to, I, I believe you have to have a digital um uh, rewards here. It, it's very important. It allows people to to get into your world cheaper. But 
as Charlie said, um, you're, you're, you're trying to get a, prod, a product made. So you're trying to get people excited to own that product. But it's always nice to have people who uh, I had a bunch of people on the last hardcover who have the floppies and they wanted to support the hardcover but didn't need the hardcover. And they, they backed the $15 uh, digital bundle, even though I don't think they're going to read it because it was just kind of like uh, a high five. And God, God blesses everyone. I think this is one of the differences between um, comics and, and prose fiction is that ebooks are such a huge part of that specific marketplace that the digital winds up being sometimes more than 50% of my, you know, of, of, you know, mm -hmm. my total backing. Wow. So um, we don't have to, I mean, like it, it, I have to go to Amazon. I print all my books through Amazon anyway. So for me, I, that's just pure profit. Like if it's mm. four or five bucks a pop, or if I'm doing the, the bundle and you know, bundling books together is a very common marketing tactic in selling independent fiction. Mm. So that's kind of what people who buy like, you know, uh, print like uh, ebooks online. That's what they like. Like they like to buy a bunch of ebooks at one time. So you know, we offer those, and it's something. And again, what we're doing is a lot cheaper. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't have nearly the cost of entry that comics does. So for me, if I sell, you know, forty pledges that are just digital, that's just great. Like that doesn't it didn't cost me anything. Like that's pure profit. And like, you know, you're not going to make the. I'm not make. I'm not rich for any stretch of imagination. But I'm not paying for. You know, I'm not paying nearly as much to to produce the product that like say comics is. So it's it's just different economics from different from comics to, yeah. to prose fiction in that case. I wasn't rich at 1059, but at 1101, I was Loaded. rich as a <laughs> mf -er. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Darsh Davies says, I think digital rewards help a lot when we have global backers who prefer not to have the hassle of shipping. Absolutely, with customs and, and the exorbitant prices, as Charlie mentioned. It's it's tough. There there have been times where, you know, you're, you're asking for between five and $20 for your book. And the shipping is between 12 and 50. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. it's just like, I gotta, I have to charge this so that I'm not the guy burning the last 500 copies of my book. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's great. And then Shawnee says, for me, I love keeping my floppies, especially the variants clean and safe. And then I get to read to my heart's content with digital. That's yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and sometimes you can actually add a little bit extra to um, to a digital. digital. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times we'll put like um, scripts that like the, the initial script is sometimes in the digital or maybe you've got like six page short story that you couldn't afford to print on in the book, but you can give it to the backers, too. So. Uh, I think digitals are are very important part of of creating a campaign, but I do agree with Charlie. Um, the campaign's about making a product, and the digitals are a tool to make the product. So you want to get people really excited about owning the physical product if you can. And then if they buy the digital, you don't have to ship it. You don't have to spend five minutes packing it, and that's gorgeous too. And and you know the uh, the fulfillment. It's so awesome, you know. <laughs> Bink. Okay, I just fulfilled, you know, a hundred or whatever. However many backers, it, it makes it. So. And you know, I, I think, like Shawnee said too, I, I, and it's something I do, and I think Charlie does this. I think you do this too, Kevin. Is that you know, if someone buys a physical copy, they just get the digital as well, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's just that's 
that's what they get so they can read it however they want to read it either either way i think many people do that some don't and that's you know that's a choice mm -hmm. people make which you know i, I don't have a, a a dog in that fight um but i try to make my prices so that my the digital is the is cheaper than the first physical if you can if you can make that happen um so that everybody knows that oh i, I ten dollars for digital and fifteen dollars for the book and i still get the digital maybe i'll pop that extra five dollars on top uh but that's just my own personal thing well um again skies of fire is amazing uh jeff you've been here let's let's talk some contra let's talk some contra horror talk, talk um, some contra horror contra contra horror um contra horror. Can, if you can share your screen and and run us through this you said there were um four four stories and they had different um, inspirations while well, you're putting the screen up. What were some of the inspirations? So a few of these, at least there, there's a pair of these that are inspired uh, by songs by a specific gentleman named Robert Earl Keen, who's a small Texas singer, songwriter type guy. Well, he's um, really some short? Country music. Yes, he's small. He's, he's about this big. <laughs> no, um, he's, he's not Willie Nelson. Um, okay. I've, I've mentioned to people that uh, if you know who Lyle Lovett was, he was Lyle Lovett's roommate in college. And uh, he's a, he's a, if you've been in and around Texas and worked in bars, you know who Robert O'Keefe is. Okay. Uh, if you are from New Hampshire, you may not have, have heard of him. Um, but he does uh, a lot of funky singer, songwritery, country swing things. He wrote a song uh, called uh, The Road Goes On Forever that was recorded by the Highwaymen. So he's, he's been around, but uh, he's an older guy now. Um, but I was obsessed with him when I was in college and mm -hmm. he, he does a lot of these odd quirky country ballads that are about really strange things. And, um, in particular, there are two funky songs on his very first record that have always been kind of things that stuck in my head. There's a song called the armadillo jackal, which is about a redneck who hunts armadillos with his car and, uh, meets a tragic end. Oh, and yeah. then, uh, and, and so we did, when I was playing around with it, I thought to myself, well, what if the reason he met such a tragic end was the uh, the armadillos got a little sick of of being treated this way? And uh, what if the roadkill could kill back? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I met an artist named Keith Grasmick in Chicago. We did a fun short about uh, sort of if Ghost Rider were two angry armadillos it consumed in fire and they convinced this poor idiot redneck to run his car off the road and kill himself in the nickel. <laughs> uh, um, because it, it just because like to me, a, yeah. a, a sad song or a or a creepy song can go dark and scary with just a just a little. You just need to nudge it a little bit in that direction. Um, the other, there's another song. And did we get the share working properly? Maybe I missed this. I don't see it. Uh, hey, while we're uh, paused for a second, I've got about three minutes left on uh, crossover division. I, I, Jeff, I saw it come. Let's 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 do a small a small veer because yeah, we got crossover almost done and uh this we guy will fireworks <laughs> this guy will is uh guys he beats me um i I'm, he I'm has so this he has this sweet exterior and he is just violent <laughs> actually I, I i forgot to put it up so maybe i deserve to be beaten <laughs> all right so i'll, I'll find it so will you, you got like it? three minutes left and Two minutes. yeah sure all right. Show that baby. I am very, very happy because this is 
You broke 300 backers for the first time and yep. almost hit nine, 9,000, which is wow. huge, huge for me. So, uh, can you guys see that? You got two yeah, that's minutes awesome. left. So, everybody, if you're watching live and you haven't backed uh, crossover division, please. Um, <laughs> no, this is fabulous. You know, stories come to life, and Hank and Hector have to find the person who has brought the fictional world uh, into our own world and try to make everything back into the, uh, the, the reality that it should be. And um, I say back it, and I say you back it because it's good, but I also say back it because Will and I are working on a crossover right now between our two books. And uh, I, well, you know what? They'll be able to catch up with any, anything they want at that point, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. But um, it's better to have it now and know you love it before we do that. So we got 90 seconds left. Also some great <laughs> covers in there. Oh, um, gorgeous. Uh, some beautiful. Oh, art. yeah. That's uh, uh, it's it's an easy yeah, back. Pearson's cover. Mm. Mm -hmm. The Mog Park. You had the the Mog Park uh, metal variant that you you opened yep. up, and this is your first ever metal, right? Yeah, this is I'm uh, this is a lot of firsts here. <laughs> I hope I don't screw that metal one up. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so so here's my my advice for the metal one: give it to the printer and say make it look cool and let them play. And yep. then they've always turned out really cool. I don't don't get involved in picking anything. Just let the printer make just it let, look yeah, as cool I, as it can. That's look. a good idea because I have no clue. They're the experts. <laughs> if they have, I mean, I've never heard of a metal shortage. So I think you're really safe on the cover. Oh, now the interiors uh, dude, might dude, be tough you, to print. You totally just jinxed it. Now, <laughs> now there's going to be a shortage. I'm oh, come on, man. That this is the reason I beat you, right? Yep. <laughs> It's in red. <laughs> Twenty-five seconds. Come on, man! Great. If, see, it goes if it goes up just one. It never does for me. I never get that last <laughs> minute backer. Does anybody else get the last minute backer? I've never noticed that. Now. Ray gets like uh, five. Yeah, he... <laughs> I don't watch. I don't watch the last minute. That's that's heartbreaking. I can't do that. Let it run. Just be going. When I get when I get in the last hour, I just go to bed. I can't handle the. How do you do that? I don't have the I don't have the the moral turpitude to not stare at it in the last hour pacing. Nice. Hey, as long as it doesn't go down. Yeah. <laughs> congrats, Will. Congrats. Oh, that's congrats, man. Hey, great thanks. campaign, buddy. Great Thank campaign. You so much. Thanks. And this, is, this has been great. Yeah. And you get like 30 seconds, and then we're back to Jeff. So uh, yeah. how's it feel, buddy? Back to Jeff. Oh, it feels great. I mean, it's it's awesome. Um, the community really kind of came through. I mean, this this is far and above, you know, what the last issue was. I think we were at 240 backers. So this is almost a 100 backer increase, you know, and just thanks, Shawnee. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I... I really think, you know, getting to work with these artists is just, you know, a lot of fun. But they, you know, Emily's cover, Mog's cover, you know, all the covers. Fell, uh, you know, Fell and, and Pablo and then Alice's mm -hmm. standard cover. I mean, it's, they just really, really bring, you know, the people to the book. And then Alice's art on the interior is just awesome as well. So, yeah, yeah I'm finished the first arc of four issues and it's only taken me 20 years. No, I don't know how long it's taken me. <laughs>
And going to yours meant we lost Jeff. So Jeff, I'm going to pull up the. Uh, Sorry about that, Jeff. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to pull okay. it up I, myself because I, I didn't want to get in the way. There we go. <laughs> Here we go. So. I knew the wind was cold, a country western horror collection. Let's look at some of this artwork. Um, now, I, one question I wanted to ask is, have you reached out to that, that musician and said, hey, your song inspired any of my stories? So, so it turns out I have a friend who dated his road manager for about 10 years, who promised me if I made the book and put it, put it together, she would put it directly into his hands. Okay. And that she's like, I, I've met him a bunch of times. I guarantee you he'll get a kick out of this. Don't worry that he's going to come after you and want to sue your brains out for stealing his ideas and stuff. Right. Um, we, we, we didn't like, we really took the stories and tweaked them into, into. Oh my God. I think, I right. think you would, I think the best thing that could happen for you is to be sued. Cause you'd win the lawsuit and oh, right? get extra yeah. publicity. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm, I'm such a fan of the guy's music. I'd hate for him to sue me. I, I would much rather have him go, Hey, this is cool come see me at a show sometime and, and get him to sign one of the books or something like that. Cause he's now, if you could, um, I don't know if you know, anybody who knows Olivia Wilde, if you could get a pinup of her, yeah. right? I heard you can make right. like $30,000 and then you don't even have to make the book. Exactly. Just go. Right? <laughs> well, nobody wants to do that, but uh... are, is, is it the same art team on all four books or do you have different art teams? No, all, all four stories are completely different teams. Um, uh, they, it is, a, like I say, it's a collection of shorts that I did over the space of maybe seven years. Wow. Periodically, one would be something for an anthology and then that anthology never quite came to light. Or mm -hmm. it was something that I did with an artist because I just wanted to sit down and work with them. We'd never made anything before, before we dive into a bigger project, let's try something small. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a horror story in the book based on a song called Christabel by that same songwriter which is in turn based on an unfinished poem by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, I found out, um, that has two oh, wow. different artists. Uh, because it, it's a story about a, a, a traveler who pitch a, picks up a hitchhiker out on a lonely highway. And the young girl is clearly mad and convinced that she is a medieval maiden trapped in an eternal spell and uh, uh, who'd been seduced by a snake demon uh, during the Crusades. And so our, and so our idea was, again, what if we take this and make it super creepy and scary? And maybe she's not crazy at all. Maybe she really is this snake monster and there's some stuff going on there. Um, I, met a, I met a crazy, uh, uh, talented painter who painted three pages of a dream sequence for us in the middle of the story. And so the, the story itself switches from one artist, a really talented lady named Marika Brosno, into uh, this completely different artist, this woman named Michelle Montrose, who painted these crazy paintings. And the paintings then ended up in the San Diego Comic-Con charity auction and got auctioned off and they're out in the world somewhere and I don't even know where they are. Oh, um, wow. Cool. So they have their own magic off somewhere doing something and who knows. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, a lot of the stories in, in or all of the stories in this book were things that had, had, had been completed for a little bit. And so I, I just found a way to put them together and, and cause I wanted to get them out there and they're sort mm -hmm. of thematically linked with this undercurrent of, of, the kinds of weird rednecky music and strange poetry and things that I'm into, um, you know, being, being a West Texas guy back in the day. So. Well, it kind of sounds like, you know, what, what Benz and Ray did. It's like, I've got this thing that I've made and I just need eyes on it. And you're looking, you're looking to make it as successful as you can, but it's almost just, I just want eyes on it. I just want somebody to, to, to read, to read this. That's very much what it was. We, 
we had a book uh, or a, a story very recently that was supposed to be part of a larger anthology and that the anthology just didn't work out for whatever reason things happen in comics and stuff that you thought was going to happen didn't happen but the and also because cool. anthologies are like the hardest things to do and yeah. the people that do it are incredible um, it, it's, failing it's at an nightmare. anthology is harder than succeeding at making a single comic yeah. <laughs> Which is why we're calling this one a collection. It's not really anthology. There you go. <laughs> it's a short number of stories. It's only four stories. I wrote them yeah. all. They're drawn by different people. But it, but it, 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 it's, it's me in the. It's also sort of a prototype for me. I'm going to consider possibly a larger anthology down the line, and we'll look at what that's like by starting with, you know, a nice forty-four page book that has mm-hmm. a, a collection of stories in it. So we'll see how that goes. A uh, quick question for you: Are you going to? Uh go with a like a, a spine on it, a perfect binding or are you going to go with the you know the traditional we want to do a perfect binding it, it's it's only 44 pages and some of it is back matter if we raise an incredible amount of money i might add one more story to it and that's a that's a a, a super super stretch goal that we haven't quite gotten to yet um cool. and then t- today on my way to work i i conceived in my brain a, a way to turn kenny rogers the gambler into a two-page zombie story oh my so maybe i'll find somebody <laughs> who wants to draw that I, mean, I think the guy you can dies, find right? somebody. Song, right? Yeah, I think um, you can find somebody so, who's going to want to draw that. Yes, I, I thought it'd be funny to drop it in as like the last two pages. Oh, by the way, Kenny Rogers zombie wants to eat your face. Um, now he might sue you and he might win because he's oh yeah, more he money, he's got but... that chicken money, man. Yeah. He's, got those chicken, he's got those chicken lawyers. He'd be all over me. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would definitely strongly uh, morph that one. Um, oh yeah! Oh no! I'm going to tell the artist that zombie needs to look just like Kenny Rogers. If he <laughs> yeah. So no, that's a great. I I I love the idea, and these are these are horror, so it's it's more of a, a you know, Kenny Rogers zombie screams comedy to me, but um, sure. it, do any of these kind of veer into the the comedic horror or are these straight? chills and i would say um of the four uh the the armadillo jackal to a degree yeah i mean it's a song about a redneck who kills armadillos with his car that's his job come on man that guy when he gets what's coming to him at the end there's a certain sense of satisfaction you're never not rooting for the armadillos (laughs) okay in in that story um and uh, Keith Grassmaker drew the art on it. Has a little bit of a lighter style than some of the other things in the book. Um, there's a there's a horrific story about a, a giant uh, swamp monster that uh, turns men into poison trees. Um, in here, that's done with uh, art by my buddy Sean Dicker. That's based on a, a redneck Florida poem that is frankly a little racist, and I was offended by it. So we made a made it into something not so terrible. Um, mm. It's also about what turns out to be the most poisonous tree on the planet. There's a tree that grows here in Florida that you can't even approach it downwind when it's blooming. I never even heard of this thing. And um, which one? Because I live it, down here, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's it's called the Manchineal apple tree. They grow okay. in um, certain parts of Central America, and it turns out in South Florida. And um, there's an old Burl Ives film called Wind to the Everglades, which was also one of the uh, 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 inspirations for the story. It's about a, a about, it's about bird poachers. And it's kind of a neat a proto-Western story. And in it, the they tie people to this tree. Where the sap, and this is real science, the sap is so poisonous, if you stand under the tree while it rains, it'll burn your skin off. Oh, my God. And in the, wow. in the story, they, they tie a guy to this tree and like to murder him. 
like these gangsters. This is how they take this guy out. These bird poaching bad guys. Um, and it's Burl Ives who's supposed to be Santa Claus. It's so weird. Mm. But uh, <laughs> uh, I was, I was fascinated by the concept of this tree and like why there would be a tree that was so horrifically poisonous. And uh, again, we turned it into like, um, it, you know, if, if, if the uh, demonic spirit of the swamp dragged bad men into the swamp and made them into these trees, and they're, they, wow. the trees are bad for a reason. And, and we so, have a we have a tree in our neighborhood. It, it has aki fruit, uh, which is the 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 national fruit of Jamaica, and is part of the national. Their favorite meal is um, aki and saltfish. And uh, if you grab an aki off a tree and bite it, you will either vomit, go into a coma, or die. Um, you have to wait for it to open up, then cook it, and then it's safe. And uh, this just grows. It when I bought this house, it grew in my in my yard because we bought it from a Jamaican woman who was really happy to have this uh, de deathly. <laughs> Uh, tree in the yard and we, we cut it down um, very quickly as soon as we could because we had dogs and we kind of didn't want our dogs to die. Um, weird weird that we are. And um, that tree has spawned like nine trees around us. Um, so this tree that every um, Jamaican person that comes near me gets excited to see is the most prolific tree I've ever seen. And it is the scariest thing because it literally yeah. will just kill anything that takes a bite out of it. And uh, so, yeah, Florida, you know, you all make fun of us, but we're tough as, we're tough as dogs <laughs> because we survive, we survive trees. Okay. We survive well, trees. Even, well, I, I, even I, the swamp we live in is trying to kill us. Yeah. So, you know. well, what I have to wonder is like, how does that become your favorite food? You know, like the thing that you try and it makes you vomit or go into a coma. You're like, you know what? Let's 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 wait a little bit and try that again. Right. It's, like, it's, like, yeah, right? Like, the first guy who licked the frog also had Aki and saltfish. That guy is just <laughs> is just courageous. But um, no. So I, I think that's an awesome. I can't wait to to read your collection, not your anthology. Um, that's right. And uh, Charlie, you uh you want to talk a little Galarian? Yeah. Well, I, I'll get there in a second, but um, I, I want to start with something that's uh, it's a little sappy, but it's also, I think, really kind of interesting in the sense that there are people who watch these shows um, to learn about Kickstarter, right? They learn about crowdfunding, they learn about comics. And, and I would have to say, like, the two most important people to my Kickstarter journey are actually here on the stream, uh, which is you, Kevin, and Ray. Uh, and I, I, I gushed a little bit at Ray at San Diego this year um, because it was really nice because for me, when I was looking to get into comics in 2016, this was about the time, um, I was trying to figure out what the best way you know, forward was. And I was like, do I submit to a publisher? And I started doing the numbers on that. I was like, ooh, this is going to be bad. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to lose a lot of money depending on who publishes me. Um, you know, so either a little money or a lot of money. And so then I was like, uh, what, what else is there? What else can I do? And I came across Kickstarter and I was like, is this a real place for me? You know, is this a place that I could actually do something? And then I saw Skies of Fire and I was like, ooh, that's a book. Like that's, that's a really good book. And it's here on Kickstarter. Okay, so this is a real place. Um, I was like, I don't know if I could do those numbers right out of the gate because they were like a house of fire. They were doing crazy things. Um, 
And then I found yours, Kevin. And I was like, okay, and then please don't take this the wrong way. I was like, okay, I can shoot for that. And here's another great book. But if, if I can do what Kevin's doing, I'm going to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, well, but how do I do this? And then I went back to, to Ray, this crazy guy who put all this knowledge for free on uh, his blog. And, and, and Ray, you should put that in the chat because your blog is incredible. It is filled with so many resources for indie creators. Um, and it was, it was a blueprint. Uh, see, he, he had to turn his camera off. He couldn't take all this praise. Um, but no, like, but he has this, this blog with, uh, with his company. And it was talking about how to do a Kickstarter all the way through from, from start to finish, including what scales he bought. You know, like this, this is the shipping scale I use. This, and like for someone coming to the thing, trying to figure it out, the wealth of knowledge that he was volunteering to give up. And then I met you, Kevin, at, at San Diego. And it was also like, oh my God, these people are so so incredibly nice and giving. And it was something that I wanted to be part of. Um, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the two of you. So, you know, when, you know, I, it is a community and it is, you know, it's creators standing on the backs of other creators. So, you know, none of us do this alone except for Ray, mm-hmm. who seemed to figure it out all by himself. Um, Ray, Ray and Vince. The Ray and Vince of, did it alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But like for the rest of us, I mean, like there, there are so many people helping us up. And I, and I see Madeline uh, in, in the chat as well. Mm-hmm. And, and she was another creator who just yeah, was like, Madeline's hey, amazing. this is how you do cons. And you're a crazy person for doing San Diego, your first one out. But yeah. um, let, let, me, let me make sure you don't, uh, you know, totally die there. Um, and, and, and so like it is just an amazing community. So if you're watching this and thinking about getting into comics or getting into Kickstarter, there are these incredible people who are going to help you. And mm-hmm. it is just an incredible community. Um, and, and I owe so much of the things that I've done to those other people and particularly to Kevin and to Ray. And yeah, there's, there's the blog, like go through, like, if you go back, it's like, Oh my God, this is genius. Oh, this is genius. Um, you know, Ray's a really smart guy and he's, he's dropping knowledge bombs every page or two. So, you know, just, mm-hmm. just check that out. Um, well, I think I, I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I think you have um, given a whole lot more than you've taken uh, to this community. So uh, at, at, if we can at least uh, throw some of those nice words back at you. Um, but I, I think that we all help each other. No, no, we don't all help each other, but there is a lot of people in the community who are more willing to help you than you might expect when you start out. Um, I think the best advice I ever got, my, my buddies at Creature Entertainment, when I was worried about running a Kickstarter because it might fail, uh, Juan said the worst possible outcome of a Kickstarter is a 30-day free advertisement for your book. That's the worst outcome. You get no money, but for 30 days, people hear about your book. And I was, and that gave me the, the ability to jump off the ledge because even if I landed, I was going to land safely. Um, so don't be afraid well, to ask people. I was going to say, but you didn't put a $30,000 print bill on your credit card, right? Because I guess the worst <laughs> thing for that to happen is uh, <laughs> Ray would be that, repossessed, right? <laughs> that, 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 that could have been, been tough, but I, I think that he rightfully um, 
expected that uh, that campaign to go well. And I, I don't know the exact number on that one, but I bet it did because I've seen some of their stuff and I, I, yeah. I, I think they did all right. Um, but no, it's a great community and I'm extraordinarily happy to be part of it. I begged, borrowed, and stole a thousand things before I met you, Charlie. So if you borrowed anything from me, it's really from a uh, hundred other creators I stole from too. So yeah, and, and that's what it is as a community. But I just because both of you are here, I just wanted to put that out there because I think it is important for people looking to get started to know that <laughs> no matter how successful you are, there are people who are who are helping this, you along the way. This is really what we got to so. say, as Blake Bus says, Kevin Ray. <laughs> Thank you for White Ash. And you know what, Blake? I think Ray and I can say, you are welcome. <laughs> so, no, 100%, um, 100%. All right. So, so, uh, so, so very, let's so do it. I'll let's just get very into quickly go into this. Um, so, so, White Ash is, is uh, the series I've been doing for a couple of years that Kevin and Ray helped and a bunch of other people helped with. Um, Glarian, which is live now on Kickstarter, is a, let's see. Uh, share screen. Oh my goodness! There's, okay, there's so much to do here. Are you got it? Uh, not yet. I, it's not popped yet. Let's see. No, let's try. Let's. Uh, I don't know if that's the right thing. No, I was lost. You know what? You may have to do it because I don't have the permissions enabled. I didn't realize okay. I had to enable permissions. No problem. I, I got gotcha. you. So, so uh, anyway, yeah. Glarian is a prequel spinoff to White Ash. It follows the, uh, the tale of the world's most dangerous elf, 3,000 years ago in Elfheim, told through the eyes of a young woman in 1970s New York who's having visions of being this elf warrior. It's a five-issue miniseries, and over the course of the miniseries, their two stories are going to slowly come together, and you'll see how these two women are connected. You can see the elf warrior and the woman from 1970s New York. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, as their stories connect, it'll also reveal a piece of the history of White Ash. Uh, White Ash is a PG-13 series, um, that R-rated characters come in to visit every now and then. Galarian is one of those R-rated characters, mm -hmm. so her series is a bit more R-rated. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's grounded, I mean, White Ash is grounded fantasy. This is a little bit more high fantasy, but we still have a little bit of that 70s vibe to it. Uh, the other pitch I like to do is it's a uh, red Sonya meets taxi driver, uh, but with angels and demons. So we were going back and forth between the high fantasy here. Uh, and if you scroll a little bit further down, you can see um, the woman who's having visions of being Glaren. We've got two different color palettes, which help differentiate jumping back and forth uh, between the two worlds. Uh, Romana Morinelli, who's the line artist, does the colors for the stuff that's in Alfheim. And uh, Finn Krem, who's the colorist for White Ash, does the colors for the stuff that's set in 1970s New York to help ground that to our White Ash Prime universe a little bit. Uh, and so, yeah, we've uh, got another 12 days to go in the campaign. We're doing really well. Um, it's nice when you are able to start fleshing out a universe the way we are uh, and to have a mini series uh, that are just expansions of your main franchise and i just love that i'm getting to play in this world and keep telling these stories we have some great variant colors covers that one's from rio burton um who's doing some great work uh this is from uh, biagio who is um a concept artist out of italy and um this is a mod uh, part second cover. base for the houston astros right 
Yes, 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 yes. I just got into the Hall of Fame. Um, let's see. Uh, that, that's from Mod Park, which is more of a pinup vibe that she wanted to mm. do. Let's see. Um, this is from Emily Pearson. She's showing like mm. the shadow dynamic of the two different worlds coming together. Uh, it's, it's, I, I love just getting covers in different styles. This is from Tina Valentina, Valentino, um, which also, again, has that duality. Uh, this is from... Um, uh, Leela Letts, uh, who's just in Mom for Image, and uh, Nick Lardy is doing colors for that. And then we just dropped this comp cover the other day, which Connor Hughes, who does White Ash, did, and it's a retro, you know, Red Sonja homage cover. Um, so yeah, we're just having a lot of fun with this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like Ray, I also like to do different artifacts of the world. Um, our first time out, we had a, to- a subway token. Um, where half of it was a subway token, the other half was an Oakland coin to show the duality. This time I'm taking the 70s theme and what's more 70s than the Viewmaster. Mm. And so we're putting some of that uh, Elven lore on a Viewmaster to sort of marry the two worlds together. So so uh, you, so yeah, you had said this was the, the Viewmaster thing. You were kind of um, really, really checking to see how people would gravitate to that. So how have you felt about the Viewmaster add-on reward? I, I think I think it's fun. I mean, like I, you know, we'll have, I'll check the numbers out when the whole series is done. I mean, mm-hmm. I would like to do like a three or four real set of a comic down the line. Uh, I think that would be a fun thing to do. Um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what what the interest is. But I, I also think it's a great promotional giveaway um, yeah. for people if you're trying to you know if you're trying to teach them about your book. And you've got a Viewmaster that they can just pick up and start clicking through. <laughs> and it's a good way to get someone. Uh, you know, somebody's going, uh, you're going to get at a, a show. People are just going to pick it up to pick it up. Um, it's going to be gorgeous for you going forward. People who don't even want to be interested in a comic book are going to look through your viewfinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that, that is stuff that I'm, I'm looking at. Um, I think, you know, we have the, the, the ability to innovate on Kickstarter because, you know, we have a new market. Mm-hmm. We don't have to follow the same paths. So we get to, to play in ways that you can't do in the traditional market because, you know, the, the retailers are the barrier there and they don't know what's going to sell in their stores. And so they're, you know, it, it's difficult for them to take a risk on new things. But I think that we as creators can just try lots of new things and see see what works mm-hmm. um and oh, I, no. I, you know I, go ahead well i'm sorry well i was gonna say this is the second issue of the glarian series but there's also some shorts that you've collected uh from you know other white ash campaigns right and and from scout as well yeah it's um so i i've been doing along with glarian and with uh some of our more recent white ash campaigns we've been throwing in like a stretch goals, like a bonus eight to 10 page uh, Glarian story. And again, it's just a way, it's a way for me to, I mean, honestly, it's a way for me to try out new artists and also, you know, tell, you know, a larger piece of that piece of that tapestry. So right now the backers, in addition to the book are also getting six short stories. So it's an extra 60 pages of digital content that mm-hmm. they'll be getting in addition to the main issue. Um, so, you know, I, I just keep trying to, build up that library as well of content but it's it's a big world you know we're we're pushing 400 pages right now in terms of content for uh white ash and glarian 
And, you know, hopefully by, you know, this time next year, we'll be closer to six to 700 pages worth of content. Yeah. Shani says, what I'd look forward to is listening to parents try to explain to their younger kids what a viewfinder is. That that should be a fun experience for you when you do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like an iPad that has a click tab instead of a home. <laughs> but I actually still have my uh, Viewmaster box from the 1970s that still has like 10 to 15 different stories on reels. I so, got your beat. I got your beat, Charlie. Somewhere in this house, I have a viewfinder from like 1932. My wife's wow. mother saved her, one of her parents' childhood viewfinders. And it's like, a, it's, it's really neat. It's really cool because it's very mechanical, very almost like a typewriter uh, type of a, a feel. So if I thought I could find it, I would, but I can't. So I'm not, I'm just, I'm just telling you, it's really neat. But there's probably very few 70s cartoons on that view of Master. I can <laughs> tell you, that I went through over and over and over again, and I could not see, um, you know, Captain Caveman anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually, had, I, one of the ones I know for sure I still have is like a claymation version of Bram Stoker's Dracula from like oh, the wow. 1970s that someone did. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So... But yeah, that's uh, that's Galarian, and uh, we're we're off and running and having another great campaign. I mean, I think you know, the more of these books that you do, when you start getting a fan base, it um, you know, it's very humbling when you have these huge campaigns or, or big first days, uh, because you know there's a responsibility with that, where you have to keep delivering. Or you just check out like Ray. You're like, you know what? This is done. Here's a hard cover. Here's the second one, I'm out of here. But uh, it's, uh, you know, like, it's such a great series. Um, but, you know, like, but honestly, I do feel our responsibility, the, the bigger the campaigns get, to just try to find new things and keep delivering. And I, I wonder, do you guys feel that way too? I mean, like, because I feel like with Kickstarter, there is such a connection with your backers, you know, in a way that when you're delivering a different book, you don't, if, if you just send something to the direct market, it's gone. But here you have that connection, and I do feel like there's a responsibility that comes along with Kickstarter. Well, I mean, you do some pretty – I mean, I still have the box that I got from the latest issue of White Ash because your boxes are freaking beautiful, okay? You know, they've got the runes all over them. I think it's stacked somewhere over there. But, um, you know, you just do all of these cool – you know, you had the, the coin last time, you know, put artifacts of – which is something I kind of like to do, you know, because I'll do, uh, you know, crossover division is a very bureaucratic kind of institution. So I'll do these, you know, they look like they're, you know, from the seventies letters with this, you know, big top secret stamp, which is very therapeutic, by the way, as you stamp things for me, I guess, I don't know, but, you know, just doing little things like that, that maybe show up in universe. You've done that, you know, you had a white ash map, you know, early on, you know, that you included, mm -hmm. you know, those things are really, I think they help make that connection a lot. I mean, it, I think it's really cool. And it's something you're, that they're, you're right. They're not going to get in, you know, uh, a comic shop. I think, I think it's always great when you get a, when you get a Kickstarter, uh, you know, something in the mail and you open up expecting to get a book and there's something unique whatever that may be. Um, yeah, I'm not really a print guy personally. I think it's 
I, people love prints and I, I love that peop those people get prints. I have no problem with them, but I do, I do like, you know, the, the wood chips or, uh, John Edenfield did the, the, the little chip that stood on token that stood on its end that was just different and neat. So I think it's great to think outside of the box um, you, with these rewards. You can't think too far outside the box. So like my, my yeah. first White Ash campaign, I, uh, you know, I offered coal from the mine. Oh my. Where you could actually get a piece of coal <laughs> that came with a certificate from like White Ash Alden Mining Company. And so like I, got this gigantic like ordered coal um you know and it came to the house and, and my wife is like what are we going to do with all this coal um and, you know, well if the I kids are bad we don't have to do christmas easy but like yeah like she's like isn't that toxic so you just have to be careful um and sometimes you can get things that end up being too expensive on that same mm. campaign i also offered postage stamps like there was mm -hmm. a time where you could get custom made postage stamps. So I had custom made postage stamps with some of the white ash characters, but somehow I didn't calculate it quite right. So they were ended up being like a dollar fifty a piece instead of like the twenty-five cents a piece. And <laughs> you know, like there was giving a set of four for every campaign that you, anyway, but I'm I'm sure other people have made equal Yeah, we had a uh, uh we had a previous campaign for uh, our book about uh we do a series called the Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast, which is about a magical cocktail bar. And so all our campaign includes bar-related swag, coasters and, and shot glasses and things like that. And uh, one of the campaigns included uh, bar matches, little small matchbooks that look like you pick them up in the actual mythical bar, not realizing that it's a violation of federal law to ship matches in the mail. Oh. <laughs> we, shipped, we shipped two matchbooks in almost every package, a couple of hundred different people, and yeah, we committed a bunch of felonies and just luckily didn't. I don't know if it's a felony, but we didn't get caught. No one complained about it. And thankfully, no one got their package half burned up and, and whatever that I know of. Um, I think it is a felony uh, <laughs> because yeah, I looked we, into we doing shipped, that and I was like, we shipped that. a lot of matches and then looked into it afterwards. And someone's like, you know, you can't put matches in the mail, right? It's like, oh, I didn't put it. Oops. Oops. I also just outed myself right here. So uh, yeah, NSA, we'll, edit, we'll edit that out. Don't worry. Yeah, as, as far as I is, yeah, as far as I know, that. the FBI doesn't watch it's, this show. I hope they do not. Yeah, it's Florida. We can do whatever we want down here. Nobody cares. <laughs> if anybody comes, you just nail them to that tree. That's right. Oops. No, I think we've all made extraordinarily bad decisions at least once, if not, I. I try what my, my whole goal is to not make the same mistake twice. I just like to make new and more interesting mistakes every time. Um, my budget for every campaign has like a three to 500 Kevin's an idiot window that <laughs> if I need $2,500, my goal is 3000. If I need $10,000, my goal is 10,500. Um, just because I know that I'm going to do something just dumb. And hopefully it'll cost me $20, but it might cost me 500. So uh, that's, that's part of my budgetary uh, business. We got Kickstarter controversy. That's right, Blake. Buzz. Uh, explain yourself is where we, we go to, to muck rake in the uh, crowdfunding space. No, I think we've all, we've all made, you know, some, some choices that we would do differently. And that's what I love about, crowdfunding is a lot of us are at least in the back channels because the the 
the unfortunate thing is we have to put on a, a extraordinarily confident um, thing for our crowdfunding to go well. I don't know why, but it's the psychology. You don't say if my book is going to fund, you say when my book is going to fund. Um, you know, we had Fearless Fred of the uh, relatable teen. God, that name of that comic. I, it, Which funded, funded, by the way, it funded. <laughs> you know, we told him you're 70%. You funded and he got real scared. I'm like, it's Kickstarter math, you know, and they funded. So, you know, it's just like you just you're you don't say if I fund, you say when I fund. But that doesn't mean that we're all this cocky. It's just that's how Kickstarter works. Um, but, but if quietly in the back channels, you ask people how we messed up, we'll almost all lay out 30 things we've done that have cost us time, energy and money uh, so that hopefully a new creator doesn't uh, do those things. Cool. I've said it before. My favorite one is when I did a stretch goal for a print and the person who was printing it asked how big I wanted it. And I went, well, piece of paper is eight and a half by 11. And so sky's a fire. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and not realizing that then I had to rebuy every envelope that I was going to ship the uh, Tarte trade paperback with, because the print was that much bigger on both sides than the book I was printing. So there was $600 uh, in shipping supplies just because I didn't think to measure the book that we were going to print. Yeah. Well, and you know, you talk about the back channel. It's, it's not just for mistakes. It's like, you know, I'm freaking talk me down, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, give me the Kickstarter math, please. Because I, it's not, I've, I've, you know, it's, we're all definitely fallible humans. And uh, we, at least this fallible human depends on the help of the community a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of want to um, lean on, we've gone through each campaign. I want to lean on uh, Ray and Charlie. You were at the first San Diego Comic-Con in two years, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the experience like? How did you, did you enjoy it? Um, did it? Jeff, were you there too? I was there. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, I, 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 saw, I saw your panel uh, with Terry Mayo. That was a great panel. That was really yeah, that was fun. Good, that was good. So you saw Terry Mayo's plant, uh, panel with Charlie Stickney. <laughs> with Charlie Stickney. <laughs> well, it was with it was with yeah, a whole bunch of awesome celebrities, and then on the end of it, it said, "And some dude named Charlie." And I was like, "I bet that's <laughs> honestly." If honestly, you had said that, that guy, I would have jumped out of my chair. And, and uh, no, no, no Kevin, that. Kevin, like that—that's actually more apt because it was like Matt Hawkins. It was David yeah. Walker who yeah. just won two Eisners the <laughs> night before. Um, you know, like, and I saw I'm sitting on this panel, being like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, it's great to be here." <laughs> hey, hey, they invited you on the panel. You you deserve to be there, mm -hmm. no matter no matter how it felt. <laughs> well, and I, I heard great things about your uh, Kickstarter panel too. I mean, Cat uh, was on there with you. Oriana was was on that panel. Uh, I've heard really good things about it. I mean, you guys want, why don't you guys take it for a moment? I mean, go. I mean, I, I had a great time. I've been tweeting about it. So, Jeff, Ray, how, what do you guys, how, how would you feel like San Diego was this year? And Shawnee in the comments, if you're still watching, how did yeah. you feel about San Diego? <laughs> it was cool. It was, um, felt a little different. Felt like the energy was a little bit more muted. Um, like, it uh, hasn't felt like, super super spectacly 
in, in a while. I feel like even before pandemic times, I feel like they were already kind of like curving back on like the, the celebrities and the like pizzazz a little bit. So definitely a little bit more this this year. Um, no Dark Horse. That was that was sort of like big anchor booth, bunch of like kind of up and comers in kind of that space. Um, felt good. I mean, like first time back in a while, it was it was great seeing everybody. I felt like I'd been really disconnected from from the community for for a long time. So it was great, like kind of reconnecting with everybody, talking to Charlie, talking to everybody around. That was awesome. Um, sales were good. Sales were not not as great as before for me, but still pretty, still like pretty good. So I wouldn't you know complain about the foot traffic too much. Felt like a little bit muted at times. Um, and outside it was still like crazy. Outside it was still San Diego Comic Con with all the madness, uh, like you know, in gas lamp and all that stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I had a good time. I was mostly like booting, and I had a couple of kids who were going um, who helped me booth. Um, some former students of mine and they're like nine two of them are 19 um one of them's like 17 and they were having a riot i mean it was it was incredible watching how much fun that they had at that age at san diego Con- <laughs> Con- <laughs> the highlight of my show because i was like oh wow yeah like i remember that you could feel that way about the comic con you know, like, it's like a highlight of their life basically like what this is a life once in a lifetime trip to this oh thing. wait oh this is supposed to be fun oh that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah honestly like and but that was great it was it was sort of like um it's a great reminder you know like I, I think i uh forgot a little especially in recent years with with all the crazy stuff going on in the world that like mm-hmm. just felt more adult than ever and it's good seeing like re- being reminded what being a kid or being you know like young and enthusiastic about this stuff feels like and shawnee in the chat says that she agrees it felt a bit lower key than before, but she had a great time. For her, it was very different experience truly working at the con as opposed to just being an attendee. And yes, I mean, whatever you're doing at a show, it gives you an extraordinarily different uh, experience. But sometimes you do have to just walk away from the booth and be in with everybody too. Um, if, if you have never done a convention as a creator, yes, you want to be at the booth all the time, but you got people with you, leave the booth and go talk to other people at their booth and just kind of experience it a little bit. Um, cause you don't want to come home exhausted and feel like you did nothing but sell your book, go, go. Go feel what this, especially something like a New York Comic Con, a San Diego Comic Con, a C2E2, kind of um, don't forget to enjoy it uh, for what it is, for like what Ray said. It's, you, you, you know, can have fun. I got to say that uh, Charlie Sickney is like the mayor of San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> 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 it's like, I, 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 it's, I saw him at his booth maybe once or twice, but every time I saw him, he was with another group of people and introducing people to people. And he was just like, I'm like, dude, you need a top hat and a cane, man. He was just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, I, it had been like, um, it was really nice because it had been three years of me meeting a lot of people online. And so like, this was a chance where they were all in the same place. We got to meet face to face. And like, you sometimes forget that some of these other people don't know each other. So you want everyone to know everyone, especially if you know a lot of different good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I've and been very fortunate to meet some amazing creators 
and so yeah so like I, again it's me giving back i want to make sure all the right people know each other um but i think you're so right in terms of you know not getting jaded about some of that and um in my booth this year uh, when i was not there which uh, you know as, as you seem to think it was you know like only partially during the convention i had uh mick who is one of the artists who drew white ash and he's from Arkansas. And it was the first time he had been to a convention that was like outside of Arkansas slash the Midwest. Like he had never been to a big convention before. And so he's at San Diego and he was just over the moon. And it was wonderful to see the convention through, um, through his eyes. Um, and just hearing him like talk, I can't, you know, I met this person. He's like, don't let me leave the booth because I'm just spending all my money. And he's like so excited to be there and see the different creators. And I'm like, and you got to go check out this person and meet this person. He's like, and all these publishers are here and it's wonderful. And, and, and it is, it is a wonderful gathering of people. And it's, it's, it's incredible to be able to see people. And yes, the traffic was a little bit lower, but that just gave you more opportunity to say hello. And Jeff, I, I wish I had known you were there. I wish you would have come up and said hello. Um, you know, next San Diego. You weren't here. Uh, you, yeah. you were a little late. You weren't here when we yeah. were kind of meeting up. He said he did come up and say hello, and you really brushed him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, you don't remember that, the about, guy that you just that you just punched right in the face? That was me. <laughs> well, no, uh, I, I had done I, a lot I of had to cut that my. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> as you do. Uh, yeah, I ended up having to cut my San Diego trip a day short, so that was a little bit of a bummer. Um, but. Yeah, it was it was really nice to be back, and I sort of echoing that. Plus, for me, I used to live uh, in California. I was out there for about ten years, and when I first started making comics, that's where I lived. So San Diego was always an easy show to go to. Uh, San Diego and WonderCon and Emerald City were like my sort of anchor shows. And I, then we moved to Florida in 2019, and so I got to do, um, I, I, and then the pandemic and all that. So I, there were people at San Diego that I hadn't seen since the start of the pandemic that I used to run into all the time sort of my West Coast buddies. Um, so that was really great just to be back there and sort of reconnecting with people like Russell Vanelope who I hadn't seen in forever and, uh, and, and some other folks like that. So it was, it was really cool to be uh, back in San Diego. It did, like most of the shows I've been to since, since um, post-vaccine uh, and, and shows are back, it feel, feels muted. It feels, you know, 60, 70, 80% of what they once were. Um, but I sort of agree at San Diego that actually makes it a little better because it was, it was almost overwhelming before. And um, I kind of cheated. I didn't, I didn't booth. I just sort of dropped in at a few friends tables and said, Hey, who's got a couple hours where I can drop down and sign, sign some books and sell some stuff. And, and uh, I got to speak on one panel, which was great about, about, you know, small print comic stuff. But, um, yeah, it was really great. It was, it was, it was nice to be back in the city just to, to, to absorb the vibe. Like you say, of the gas lamp and all the crazy that's going on and, mm -hmm. and all the late night hanging out and just, you know, seeing people and, and, and that energy and that vibe. I'm looking forward to uh, some of the less insane shows coming up yeah. pretty soon. But, uh, I, did, I didn't see this comment earlier, but uh, uh, right. Youth Wasted on the Young by Audible. Yeah, boy. yeah you know what? Uh, God bless them because I don't have the energy anymore. So I, I need to see joy on someone else's face to realize what that even feels like anymore. So... Uh, um, so, but Jeff, you're, you're in Florida. Have you done any of the shows down here? Have you done, um, Dragon Con or Dragon Con's Atlanta, but have you done Dragon Con's uh, Atlanta? Uh, I did Dragon Megacon. Con about three years ago. I did Dragon Con about three years ago. That was a ton of fun. I did not realize that Dragon Con is essentially Mardi Gras disguised as a Comic Con. 
Um, it's a huge okay. party. It's so cool. Okay, I, um, I am not going to divulge this creator's uh, name, and you'll know why when I tell the story. A creator said to me in, in my vicinity, yeah, I need to divorce my wife so that I can go to Dragon Con because I've heard it's so great. And what I advised him to do is not divorce his wife and go to Dragon Con and find out if that is true. Because it felt really preemptive and, you know, like kind of the, the thing yeah. that you're that isn't worth kind of just choosing to do before you go. So but I have heard yeah. that Dragon Con is uh, Dragon is Con is a big party. party. It, is, it is fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Um, I do Megacon because it's right here in my backyard. Basically, I'm in Orlando. Uh, I done Florida Supercon down in Miami last year, which was good. We didn't do it this year. Um I want to I want to interrupt one second, Ray. I know that you have to get out and do some things, so I really appreciate you coming on. Mm -hmm. And uh, skies of fire, everybody! It is fabulous. You need to check this out. So, yep. good night, Ray. Thank you so much yep. for uh, Thanks, coming. Thanks, Ray. On. Good night. Bye, Ray. All right, so we we lost the hundred thousand dollar man. So all we have to do is get Glarian up to hundred thousand. And uh, I knew the wind was cold up to 100,000 and red sunrise up to 100,000. Okay, guys, we have to match Ray. Uh, okay. Maybe if you put us all together. <laughs> I, and I, I will, if you were still live, I would put you in there, but uh, you're close. So uh, I'm, I'm done for the moment. <laughs> that, that's why you needed Pat Shan to also come on the show. Tonight. Oh, yeah. I don't know if yeah, you right? guys were watching Pat's campaign. But well, that was another we, crazy one. It, it was really, I was, I was, I kept coming to my wife. I'm like, they're at 89. I think they can get to a hundred thousand. They're yeah. 93. I think they can get to a hundred thousand. And then we went over and I was, we, I'm like, it's yeah. so weird when you, when you invested in another campaign and you become like that, it's like, we made it to a hundred thousand dollars. As far as I know, Pat is not going to send Will or I a check, but still it feels like, we all well, succeeded it was the explain yourself pump, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, he came on. Well, he came on at like thirty thousand. So <laughs> speaking 70, of the uh, of ex, yeah. speaking of the explain yourself pump, we very briefly talked about head cases at the beginning, and they funded while we've been on. Nice. They went from thirty three right. to thirty six hundred on crowdfunder. Super nice. stoked for those guys. Leslie and AJ are buddies of mine, and I'm, I've I've been pulling for them since the very beginning. And they're on that they're on a different platform and trying it for the first time. So it's really awesome that that managed to work out for those guys. Yeah, no, that is great news. Thank you for checking that. I've, I've been eyeballing it the whole time. Oh, and uh, <laughs> I think also uh, uh, Ryan K. Lindsay's uh, backstory. I think that that hit funding as yeah. well uh, just when we were getting started uh, on the podcast yeah. earlier. So. Was that also on Crowdfunder? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, my, my thing is, I love Kickstarter. I would happen. I wouldn't know any of you. Actually, I wouldn't know any of you if it wasn't for Kickstarter. Um, and I don't want to leave and I'm cool with it. Every, the, there was a bump in the road that kind of scared me and scared some other people, but I, it seems like that bump is, uh, going to be paved over by Kickstarter, I would say. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that I don't want more, more strong platforms for more creators mm -hmm. and we need to keep them all fertilized um just in case you know it's better yeah. for it's and better also, for all of us yeah and I, I uh because i was on the kickstarter panel at uh, san diego just speaking with oriana one of the things she was saying was 
she thinks it's better for Kickstarter to have competition um, because for so long they were the only game in town and then you're not forced to innovate. You know, you're not forced mm-hmm. to sort of push things forward. And, um, you know, it's easier for her to go to her tech people and say, we need to do X, Y, and Z because these other platforms have X, Y, and Z than if no one has anything. And she's like, we need this. And they're like, we'll get to it. We'll put it in the queue. <laughs> and now right. she has leverage to be able to try to push things forward. And she's like, tell me what you want. What do you know? What do we need? How does Kickstarter need to improve? So that's, you know, that was a nice thing to hear from her is she's kind of looking at this as an opportunity and she's wonderful. Just one of the mm-hmm. most supportive people for Kickstarter creators. Um, but, you know, and they're, they, you know, and, and JD, they are trying to really start pushing the um, book space as well. Like that was one of the things that she was saying. And Russell was, I you know, was talking to her about that too. I mean, they're trying to push that and mm-hmm. just really make Kickstarter publishing, you know, the big thing. Um, on Kickstarter. I mean, that's her purview, but um, Mm -hmm. I do think like, you know, it's great for creators to have options, but it also directly impacts Kickstarter if there are other viable options out there and hopefully Kickstarter will improve because of that. Competition makes everybody better. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, I really appreciate everybody who came and joined everybody in the comments. Now, here's the point where Will and I uh, talk about the campaigns for creators who've already been on the show. Uh, if you guys want to hang with us and talk about the books, we'd love to have you. If you're on the West Coast and it's dinner time, go get something to eat. If you're on the East Coast and you're tired and you had a long shift that ended only at 930, Jeff, and you need to go to bed. <laughs> You know, we, we we are we're never our feelings are not hurt if you leave us, but um, we we are overjoyed if you hang with us as we go through these other campaigns as well. Um, but it's a little sh- bit shorter tonight. We had crossover division fund. We had um, uh, cheeky fund. We mm-hmm. had uh, big um, uh, project big height fund. So um, we've got a fewer books to talk about but that doesn't mean we can't mess them up so let's do it will all right well uh pocus hocus uh funded oh that funded too yeah yeah and then here's your title relatable young adult mystery comic that- it is such a good book and i cannot get my head around that title it is a, it is an absurd parody of scooby-doo with two creators who Telephoned the story oh between God. each other, and thank God it funded because I cannot <laughs> say the name of that book. But here's one I can: Stake presents Jessamy David Burns, um, mm-hmm. a um, prequel to Stake, where her, his vampire character Jessamy is sent to colonial America to uh, try to figure out uh, something that's going on on a, uh, plantation. And you know what? Dave's great. The art is amazing. And, uh, this book is also killing it. And, uh, you should check it out if you haven't. It ends on August 8th. Uh, Charlie, I think you got to run. I, I got a, I got a message that you gotta, you gotta get out of here. So yeah, it's got- always a pleasure to have you. Yep. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah. JD, nice seeing you, Jeff as well. Um, and like, Whatever Kevin and we'll talk about, everyone back those. Yeah. <laughs> are you, you hanging with us, Jeff or J- and JD, or are you are you are you are you, are you made of lesser stuff like uh, Ray and Charlie? <laughs> 
I can stick around for a bit, man. The dog, <laughs> yeah, the dog's having, asleep. I'm having too much. I'm having too much fun to wander off. What are you talking about? Okay. All right, let's do it. No, we, we, you know, it can go long. We, we, we just judge it by how the show's going, and we've made it to 12:45, so we know it's a good show. Um, but um, happy to have you here with us. And if you know any of these creators or these books, please, please, because this is the point where I'm, you know buzzed ish yeah. <laughs> and uh we're all tired and we've talked about some of these a while back but uh one of the ones that's a little newer is um unicorn vampire hunter now that's a title i never forget because it is a amazing title it's all ages it's kind of like a fairy tale um so you don't have to worry about if you have a niece or a nephew uh and you, you think unicorn vampire hunter they might like it get them this book this is the first five issues this is actually printing four and five and it finishes the first arc of the story and it's just a lovely fairy tale and uh, a lot of fun and it's a unicorn that hunts vampires you got all you need to know <laughs> yeah uh, and caleb is such a funny guy yeah. <laughs> such an awesome sense of humor it so, ends on august 11th yeah so uh, grumpy Bruce, who is not that grumpy in the chat, says Jessamy is so good, and it really is. So do check that one out. Uh, what do we got oh, next, buddy? Uh, we've got uh, Stabity Bunny. Richard Rivera's. Um, this is Scout Comics' first ever Kickstarter um, that they are running. I, I consider it the sort of their second because they did the trucker. Um, uh, toys uh, that actually uh, Charlie had uh, one of his White Ash characters in. But with Scout Comics running it and delivering it, this is their first one, and it's printing volumes one and two collections of a Stabity Bunny, which is a story of a family that is kind of targeted by malevolent forces, and there's an entity that has decided to protect them and puts itself in the form of a stuffed rabbit. And that rabbit never moves, never talks, but is there to protect a little girl that is kidnapped by these evil forces. And uh, Richard is just about the nicest guy in the world. Um, now, just like Charlie, he's sort of my boss because he's co-publisher of Scout now, but um, I would say this if he wasn't. <laughs> and I'm going to say that I'm going to say this and prove it. Because David Byrne is no longer my co-publisher at Scout Comics, and I still think you should backstake. So I don't know. Did that work? I'm not sure. Maybe. I might uh, just be kissing ass in two ways, <laughs> but but still. Uh, a steampunk Carol. Uh, oh we yeah. Had, we haven't had Brant and Lisa on again for this, but uh, a steampunk Carol launched uh, about three just days this ago, week, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it was just this week, and it ends on. It's a, a retelling of the Nutcracker uh, with some beautiful and the mouse care, art, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it it's just beautiful, beautiful art. And Last Ember Press is is redundant. I know I shouldn't. Ha I I don't have to say that. But uh, Brant and Lisa have got a great team on this, and it looks really really nice. I think it ends on August twenty sixth, so it just got started, and they're always already moving and grooving toward the goal. Really okay. Bad, I think. So one one thing that I'm going to bring up that is it for it. We got we got a, just a couple. Um, there is a podcast by two scientists that is on Kickstarter, and it is 
Jax, J-A-X, and Phoebe Make a Planet. And what they're trying to do is raise money to do a limited edition podcast of two scientists baking a pie. But uh, on their Kickstarter page, Carl Sagan has said, if you want to bake a pie, all you have to do is create the entirety of the universe and then bake a pie. So this podcast is going to be about all the incredible um, confluence of events <laughs> that created the universe, then the galaxy, then the solar system, then the earth, then the flora and the fauna, <laughs> the 4.6 billion years that got to this point, and then them meeting in a house and baking a pie. Um, I'm really excited about this. I follow one of the two creators of this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a hippie who <laughs> is really worried about global climate change, and I follow her for her uh, climate change information. The other scientist is, I think, about dinosaurs and fossils, and I'm just really interested in them getting this podcast out, and we are hoping to have them on the show. We might just do a uh, a non-comic book show that is about this podcast because I don't want to take away from my comic creators by delving into a science podcast and I don't want to mess them up. So we're working out uh, uh, times, but I can't guarantee you when it'll be. But I please check this campaign out. Uh, they have a huge goal and they are new to Kickstarter, and but they're really uh, charming and smart and it's it's a podcast that I want to hear, so I'm, you have I'm cheerleading them, it. Do we have them in the uh, the banners? Can I, I have good news. We do not. Okay. <laughs> I was going to put that up there. <laughs> Jax, J-A-X, and Phoebe make a planet is what it is. Um, give me two seconds. Vamp. Everybody vamp, and I'll find it. Okay. Vamp or Vogue? I mean, because... Yeah. yeah. Hey, man. You, you, do, you do you. <laughs> Here, wait. How about this? Uh, you guys are too funny. Super Saiyan three Goku Funko. Ooh, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm a nerd. <laughs> Got it. Here we go. All right. So, yeah, Jackson, Phoebe make a planet in Kickstarter. Um, and you, you know, is. like. They've got $10, $25. I think for like $100, one of them or both of them will um, Zoom for 15 minutes. So if you you know, you know got a kid in elementary school that wants to talk about dinosaurs, they'll Zoom for 15 minutes and talk about dinosaurs, which I think is pretty pretty darn cool. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. My, my kid's in eighth grade. I don't know if that worked for her, but if, if she was in third grade, I think it'd be pretty balls out cool um so i appreciate it um like i said i'm probably worth 1.2 billion dollars uh no big deal i'm not gonna change uh probably change a lot um kevin i just tried to call you and your number's disconnected I, you're, are you ghosting <laughs> me already so yeah right so, that was quick <laughs> I do have some bad news. My uh, mother-in-law got my ticket numbers and said she was going to check. And I do not have an extraordinarily excited text. Okay. So I might not be worth $1.2 billion. But that just means nobody won. And I'm going to win 1.8 next okay. Tuesday. 
Yeah, I figured for only one point six, what? Why bother? Maybe next week it? we'll think about buying tickets. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, and we, it's got to change your life, Jeff, or don't do it. I got this. I got this. I got this sweet. I got this sweet, sweet Kickstarter money rolling in. Who needs the big advance, right? Like that's. You know, I'm already making dozens of dollars selling comics. Dozens. 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 My 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 friend had a had a, a a band that broke up, and his girlfriend wrote like this snarky thing. She goes, uh, "I don't I don't even know the band's name, but let's 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 say a band is called Crossover Division." Okay. <laughs> so Crossover Division broke up, um, um, saddening uh, tens of fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Really appreciate yep. seeing everyone. Jeff, it was nice to meet you. JD, yep, you know, great old, so much old for hat. Me. Always great to have you. But Jeff, really great to meet you. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Great. And where, where are you in Florida before we, we uh, close? Orlando. Out? All right. Orlando. So I, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. So we'll, we'll get, I'll go three hours north and you come three hours south and we'll, we'll meet up. We'll and find have a, a way to get it done. All right, buddy. <laughs> Good night, Thanks, everybody. Everyone. Thank Good you, night, everyone who was in the Thanks, chat. Yeah.